Today, I bring in Ryan Bortz from Blue Collar Fishing on YouTube to shoot the crap. We start off by a short tournament recap covering stop number one of the National Kayak Catfishing Trail. We talk about a few kayak brands, tactics and techniques and strategies on the water, and a few other golden nuggets along the way. So pour yourself up a drink and tie up some rigs while you join us at the round table. Hey, what's up, Ryan? What's up, buddy? You got me? Yep, I got you loud and clear. All right, good deal. How you doing, man? Man, I'm out here working on a kayak. Well, that sounds like a good Saturday to me. <laughs> It'd be better if I was on it. Yeah, I hear that, putting fish in it. Well, it was good to finally get you on for a show here. Been trying to get you on for a couple weeks now. But Yeah, man, I stay slammed between work, fishing, and family. I ain't got a spare minute for nothing. No, I completely understand that. I completely understand that. But, no, I just got a new show going here. Um, wanted to get a couple of the, you know, the better, the bigger names in the kayak fishing on here and get a couple shows in. Um, to start it off, you just want to kind of give yourself, give a little introduction, give a little background on yourself for some of the people that might not, you know, follow the trail or anything like that. So, I guess I'm about as normal and average as they come man i started out fishing for food when i was young uh started fishing some bass tournaments in high school through my early teenage years uh got into some trouble went down a long hard road with drugs for about 15 years i moved to where i live now and got cleaned up uh started bass fishing out of a kayak i ran into a guy uh through facebook actually that did kayak catfishing and wanted to start tournaments and he talked me into coming and doing a catfish tournament and i basically never looked back man i i was on a borrowed kayak at the time and then i bought a uh, lifetime and just kept moving up in kayaks from there i think now i'm on my like my ninth or tenth kayak that i'm building um i was last year's year before last i ended up finishing uh second in the national series online catfishing tournaments uh last year i won the national series online catfishing tournaments i won the uh regional online catfishing tournaments which is ohio indiana and kentucky and i won the ohio in-person trail championship through the same series um i'm just always chasing bigger fish looking for a better way to catch them from a kayak i hear that um so where where do you live at now then i live about 45 minutes outside of lexington to the west of lexington and about an hour south of louisville okay i'm in a a little town that has more cows than people (laughs) i know (laughs) hey i kind of know what that's like i'm in a little bit bigger town in nebraska like i'm closer to omaha but everybody when they hear nebraska that all they think is corn or cows so yeah <laughs> same deal um did you grow up catching catfish then or was it mostly just uh bass fishing as you were growing we, up there we chased bass um crappie and white bass mostly um just whatever was biting at the time of year we was catching them and eating them i mean yeah. i've ate i've ate six pound bass and i've ate 40 pound flatheads you know what i mean yeah it, no, i hear you where i grew up is if if it was illegal keeping fish you was eating it yeah. Do you do a lot of keeping uh, now for the freezer? Do you still do you mostly just practice the CPR? Almost always catch and release. I catch 
you know, I'll go out a couple times a year and take a cooler with me and I'll catch four or five eaters, you know, some channels or some small fiddler blues, you know, nothing over five pounds. And, and I'll, I'll clean three or four, maybe five and we'll eat those about twice a year, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. My it's just is, interesting. My bad. Go ahead. What were you saying? My theory is on, on fish. If you, if you eat them, you can't catch them again. So, right. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, it's, it's just interesting. Cause you kind of learn, you know, learn about people's backgrounds, how they grew up fishing. And, you know, so, some, it seems like it's either, you know, either table fare or only for the trophy situation. So just kind of, kind of um, interesting to see how people evolve, you know? Um, well, it's, it's, it's important now, man, for everybody to realize that when I grew up fishing 20, 25 years ago, there was not 300 boats at a boat ramp. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd go out and you'd see a couple of boats in a day's time, three or four. And maybe if they had a bass tournament, you would see 12 or 15 boats while you're out on the water or something. Yeah. Now you go to the boat ramp and, and you can't find a parking place. So there's a lot more people on the water. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a lot more important for everybody to practice catch and release because if we all kept our limit every day, there wouldn't be no fish there in a week. Right. Well, especially with the bit with the catfish too, because you know they're a fish that takes a little longer to grow big, especially yeah. you know yeah. the further uh, north and west that you go, because it cold you know the cold. Or I, whatever. I stay pretty tight with the biologist around here that that works my local lake, Taylorsville Lake. His name's Jim Duke. He lives a couple miles up the road from me. And, and me and him talk a lot. He said it's average of a 35-inch catfish being somewhere around the 15 to 20-year range mm-hmm. to reach 35 inches. I mean, that's a, if you think about it, it takes a long time. That's a long time for a fish just to get, you know, to an average, what, what would somebody would consider an average size. And everybody's, at, you know, these days everybody wants to catch the monster going for the trophies. Yeah. So you have to practice that CPR, you know, in order to – preserve preserve the resource especially if you want to take your kids someday or something like that you know have grandkids out there and teaching them how to catch them so yeah i mean i i get just as much a thrill out of watching or taking somebody and putting them on a big fish as i do catching that big fish myself i figured that out with my wife i tried for like two years man after i got my boat to uh get her on a decent sized catfish and every time i would get out and get on a pattern I would take her and, and we'd get out and catch a bunch of dinks or we'd we'd go out and get skunked. And I mean, she just didn't like to go because of it. So I finally got her out one day and got her on about a 50-pound blue. And, man, watching her fight that fish, it's, it's on my YouTube channel there. I got more out of watching her catch that fish than any fish or any tournament or anything I've ever done, won or caught. You know, it's it's a different feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got out and got a few other people, you know, in the kayak world and got them out and got them on fish. And, and just watching somebody experiencing that is a whole nother level. And, right. And my thrill in it anymore is not the actual catching of the fish. I mean, I've caught hundreds of 30 and 40-pound fish. My thrill is finding that fish, figuring out the pattern to catch that fish. It's, it's all about the hunt now. Mm-hmm the build-up yeah it's uh, going to a new body of water and figuring it out or just show up and and figure this out and how quick i can get it done mm-hmm. that's awesome that's awesome so um other than the 
online catfishing tournaments, and I know that you're running that uh, in-person national trail this season. Um, that you know, you just took. We know you just took first on that one about a week ago. Was that week or week or two ago? Uh, that was a week ago. Tomorrow, yeah. You know, I actually, I actually uh, kind of pulled that one out from behind. I I went and uh, pre-fished from Wednesday till Saturday. And on Wednesday morning, I had motor issues. I had uh, the XI3 went down on me. I ended up going back to the hotel Wednesday night, taking that all apart in the rain, fixing my motor in the hotel parking lot there. Got back out on the water Thursday, and uh, found fish everywhere I went, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Get on the water for the tournament on Saturday, and I've I've got a couple different spots I've got picked out. One of them is right by the ramp. One of them is about two and a half miles upriver from the ramp. So I decided I would just show up, hit my little fish spot, which was real close to the ramp. I knew I could get my three small ones, get on the board, and get my limit real quick. And then I was my plan was to do that and then make my long run upriver to get to my big fish spot mm-hmm. and just sit on it the rest of the day. Well, I went. I got my three little ones. I think it was like seven thirty, seven forty-five, something like that. I went to leave that spot and run up river, and my motor was stuck on spot lock. My remote had got wet pre-fishing through the week and corroded, so that done me in. I was stuck to anchor fishing the rest of the trip. Dang! And you got one motor, one controller with you? Yeah, yeah. I actually ordered a new one, and it wasn't in yet when I uh. left. Bet you'll have two on every tournament from here on out, huh? <laughs> Actually, that's something I've been working on this weekend. But I went and uh, I, I just started hard anchoring and fishing, and, and I would pick my anchor up and drift back. And finally, I drifted back and found this brush pile, and I just kept baits in it the rest of the entire tournament, and it and it paid off. Heck, yeah. And uh, I was riding. A, I was in a really good spot. I just hadn't done any big fish catching there during pre-fishing. So I just I just waited it out. I caught several small fish out of it, and it seemed like after I got the small fish out, when the bigger fish started hitting. I don't know if the small fish being there were just getting the bait before the big fish got to it or what. That's that's my theory on it. I have no way to prove that. Yeah. Don't we wish we could see a little bit more of what's going on under there, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. I want live scope so bad I can't stand it. But so expensive these days. It's yeah, gonna be. But- a- be another 10 years before it gets affordable yeah that that three thousand to thirty five hundred dollar range the wife just ain't allowing that you know (laughs) but uh but in order to combat my motor issues because those xi3 remotes are notorious for going bad having batteries go dead in them Mm -hmm. so i bought me a uh, lawrence elite uh t7 i actually bought two of them and one of them goes on the front of the kayak and one of them goes on the rear. And mm-hmm. I can now link my trolling motor into my fish finders. And just hook up GPS spots and it'll take you where you want to go, huh? Well, not only that, I can link my phone through the Lowrance on the app and use my phone to control my trolling motor. Or I oh, can there you my go. Graph, my, my graph screen to control my trolling motor. I don't know if I've heard got, about that yet. Now I've got backup for that. And I actually have a... Uh, a non-GPS trolling motor here in the garage. I went ahead and ordered brackets for it, the quick connect brackets. So all I got to do if I get down there and have motor trouble, pull yep. up, jerk the pin out, put the new motor on, plug it up, and go. 
Just got a backup motor. So now you're going to have yeah. backup backup controls and backup motor for you yeah, going I've, forward. I've got backups for my backups. Yeah, well, you had to learn that lesson the hard way. <laughs> several times over. Yeah, several <laughs> times over. Yeah. So other than so other than this trail, though, do you fish any other uh, clubs or organizations? Not any. Uh, so we got what we call the kayaks and cats uh, trail, which is a re- where all of this that we do now originally started, which was yep. here on Taylorsville Lake. That it all started with a group of about five of us doing free tournaments, mm-hmm. and it kind of snowballed from there. Well, when COVID hit, we started uh, doing a Facebook group to where we would just post our fish in there and do a month long tournament. We didn't use any app. We just did yep. a thread on the Facebook group and went yep. from there. I followed you guys during that time too. I was trying to convince you guys to, to make it national so that I could get in on it too, but it just wasn't uh, in the cards yet at that time. Well, then, then that's when kayak Mike got involved yep. and, and we were all fishing another national series. Then that ended up going through some drama and, mm-hmm. Yep, I was there, too. We won't get into all that and mention any names, but there was a lot of drama there, and everybody kind of wanted to back away from it. Mike's like, look, now's the time. If you guys want to do this, I'm in. And Mike took it and ran and put us where we are today. I mean, three years ago, four years ago when I was getting into this, I never would have imagined we would be doing tournaments. This weekend, I walked away with $2,200 in my pocket never did i ever imagine that when we were doing free tournaments at taylorsville lake for cabela's gift cards that got donated you know yeah and and mike is the biggest thing to cause that i mean well he's definitely made a voice and a name for himself out here and i don't just say that because he's literally my best friend in the world (laughs) (laughs) he he has really done good with that yeah he's doing good um Making making waves in the world of kayak fishing for catfish, anyways. Yeah, um, he's brought our sport way farther along than a couple of rednecks down here in Taylorsville, Kentucky, ever could have. Huh. Yeah, it just it seems like a, a lot of our uh, crowd that shares the same demographic. Everybody kind of thinks of us the same, but that kind of leads into a question that I was going to ask if you're, if you're comfortable with sharing, what do you do for your day to day? Like what's your everyday job? So I, I manage a construction company that does, uh, we specialize in pole barns, metal siding and metal roofing, but we do remodeling work on homes. This big storm that came through, we're covered up with, uh, siding and roofing work. Probably for a good amount of time. Yeah, I've. I think I did fifty some bids this week. I mean, it it was an insane week for me. Yeah, well, I'm glad you took some time. I appreciate you taking some time out to hop on here and, and record the show with me. Oh, being no so problem, busy man. and everything, man. Guys but, like you are what uh, what grows our sport. Yeah, you know, I just I feel like there's a a little bit of a of an area missing, especially in the podcast world for us. You know, kayak catfish guys. You know. Um, I do. I'm also in construction, and a lot of times when I work, I like to listen to the podcasts. I throw my headphones in and listen to different podcasts and stuff. And there's been several times where I specifically, you know, kind of was um, had an itch for the, you know, to get in the kayak or was just thinking about rigging all day or whatever the situation. I just wanted to listen to something that had to do with kayak catfishing, and it's really not too much out there. Besides, there's a few episodes here and there where guys get, you know, kayak bikes been started on a few episodes for some shows and then there's a, a couple episodes where some guys will do like it uh mostly their shows about bass but they'll you know do a special episode about catfishing or something like that and 
yeah, there's, did, there's only uh, so many of those out there. I did the Evolving Angler, I think was the name of it. Yep. I did that one. And then uh, Yak Legion, I've did that one. Me and That's Mike's it. had several guys reaching out, you know, and asking us to do it. There's just no way between work, tournaments, YouTube, and family that either one of us yeah. have time to sit down and, and take on another project. Yeah. No, I mean, I just felt like there was a little bit of a need out here, so that's why I, I kind of wanted to step up and and, and uh, fill that role a little bit and add another little area for some content for us guys, you know, kayak catfish guys out there and help grow the sport a little bit, you know, whether it's us just talking about stories or that's why I call it the round table. It's kind of, you know, let it, let it go in whatever direction it goes, whether we talk about how the tournament went or stories, or you got some tips or some safety, safety stuff to share for the, you know, listeners and things like that. Um, I also have a, a series that I'm working on. I've got the very first episode of this show, uh, of this, t- you know, show was called um, a kayak camping episode or whatever. And that's kind of its own little side um, deal where I'm going to do a couple shows throughout the year in person with some guys on the bank and, and we'll just pull up, you know, have a fire, throw some rods in and, and record a show on the bank and, and kind of specialize it towards, you know, camping or staying multiple days off of your kayak when you're doing these tournaments and stuff. Cause that's how I like to run them out here. I I would like to do that, but if I'm in the river, I can't get enough battery power on my kayak to run me for as long as I like to stay. Yeah. So, like this past weekend, after a 10, 12, 14 hour day on the water, I am out of battery. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Um, but, what rig, what rig are you floating out of right now? I know that I you was, you were kind of hiding hiding there a little bit of what you were your new boat that you got. Yeah, so I was on the Hobie PA-14, mm-hmm. and uh, then Jackson came out with the uh, Jackson NAR, and I spent quite a bit of time building that kayak and just wasn't satisfied with the platform. I mean, I, I, I put a lot of effort into building it and making it how I wanted it. It's a great platform for bass fishing, but for what we do and the weight that we're trying to haul and, and the things we're trying to do, it's not the best. So I've actually went back and started building a new canoe frontier 12 that mm. I should have finished by this next weekend. And is that what you're planning on fishing out of for the rest of this season? I'm going to test a couple other Jackson kayaks. Mike's picking up something else mm-hmm. um, in April. I think I'm going to test it out and I may end up building that depending on how I feel about it. It's a, it's a lot bigger of a kayak and, for what we do bigger and more weight capacity means everything so yeah and you're talking you're talking about the f12 or the big rig so so the big rig got discontinued okay so what we're looking at is the take two okay i, I started I'm about to look that up man my first uh my first kayak my first big boy kayak i'll say was was actually the f12 and i sold it and went into a hobie before i really knew what i was doing Okay. And, and which, uh, out of fishing out of both of them, which one did you like fishing out of better, the Hobie or the new canoe? The Frontier 12, hands down. Yeah. That 360 seat and being able to put a rod rack on the back of it and spin around backwards is a game changer. But when I had the F12 before, I was a, a paddle guy. I didn't have a motor yet. So once you stick the motor on there and you put the rod rack on the back, you turn it into a boat. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can literally comfortably pull six planter boards out the back now, where before I was dragging two rods and suspending two rods, which were essentially covering the same exact tracks in the water. You know what I mean? You just yeah, just a couple less baits out there. Same, yeah. same trails, just you know, two more two more options for them to to yeah. bite on. So so now I can actually pull six planter boards and suspend two rods and cover a 150-foot wide or better swath of water. Nice, man. So you've been, you've been at it for a, good, for a little while. You said you started in like a Tamarack. You've been in New Canoe. You've been in Hobie. You've been in Jackson. Yeah. You've been, you've been in a lot of kayaks. Yeah, I've, I've been through a lot of kayaks. <laughs> well, that's good, man. That's the experience. If you, that's... if you don't build different stuff and try different stuff, you never know what works. You know I mean? I, I built this Jackson and used it for a week and went into something else because I didn't like it. Well, I spent 60 hours building that kayak, but if I hadn't have done it and tried it, it may have been the best kayak on the market, you know? Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's why we, that's what kind of why I like having this show. Cause we're going to get guys like you on here and we can kind of talk about the differences or the things that you like and didn't like or what, you know, because it might not necessarily have been that it wasn't a good boat or a good setup. It just wasn't your fit, you know, exactly. for what you wanted to do. So, and that's that's something when we do our seminars. One of the things we go into is is choosing a kayak that's right for you. And what I tell everybody every single time is go to a kayak dealer and go to demo days, and they'll let you try out every kayak they have on their floor. Mm-hmm. I always suggest to I always suggest to reach out to the local clubs in your area, and because a lot of most of the time, you know, our, our kayak community is pretty knit, you know, tight knit guys, and a lot of times those, you know, many guys have multiple kayaks, and they'll let you try their stuff out before you go and spend the money. Yeah, I mean, if if somebody's at a tournament, or I'm out here fun fishing, and they want to take my kayak out for a spin, I put them on it and tell them to hammer down. I mean, they'll never know if they like it or not if they don't try it. Right. I mean, the pictures of it all look cool. I mean, from bonafide to, you know, all the way across the board to the, uh, the new Pelican, the new Pelican, uh, pedal series that they got. I mean, all these kayaks look awesome. It's just, you have to get in them and feel them and, and see what, you know, what you're looking, what the best fit is for you, what you like. And that's, that's why I like the Hobie and the Frontier 12 so much. I'm six, five and 250 pounds. And I, I take up a lot of space, you know what I mean? It takes a lot of real <laughs> estate for me to be comfortable. So those kayaks have a very open deck space on them where I can stretch my long self out and get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people still these days think when, when you say we fish out of a kayak or I catfish out of a kayak, they think that we're still sitting in these 10-foot sit-insides uh, turtle kayak, you know, roll over when you yeah. sneeze type kayak. So. People get pretty crazy. One of the biggest fish I've ever seen pulled in in a kayak was in a 10-foot Jackson sit-in kayak. And a guy named Mike Bearding, he's kind of known for being the one fish wonder at our tournaments. He'll he'll catch the big fish every tournament when he fishes them. He come over to the boat ramp paddling and had a a 53-pound blue cat (laughs) in his lap. And, and like, the the sides of the kayak were barely even out of the water. (laughs) that's hilarious and and we actually had to grab the kayak and drag him up on the bank then get the fish out of his lap and then let him get out 
Yeah, that way he could get out. Did did he get it scored and measured for the tourney? Yeah, I can't remember the length on it. It was something like fifty inches long, something like fifty, fifty one inches long. It's a good was, fish it though. Was, it was built like a river fish. It was long <laughs> and skinny, but but the, I'll never forget him doing that as long as I live. Those are fun ones. I mean, I've never had one that big. My first kayak was a ten foot sit inside. Uh, I think it was a. Uh, Oh, I forget. It was a perception. It was a 10-foot sit-inside perception, and I think the biggest one I put in there was like high 20s or low 30s. So nothing super big or anything, but even those ones were fun. The biggest thing I put in that kayak was a dog. Um, somebody's <laughs> dog was drowning in the lake, and he wouldn't go get it. And I uh, went out with a buddy, and the dog ended up coming over to my kayak, and I freaking boat flipped it in. <laughs> but barely stayed up, barely kept all my gear because you know I, I, I didn't have time to unload the kayak or anything when it happened. Um, but that was, I can only imagine the fifty-pound blue hanging over the edge of your boat while you're trying to paddle in like that. <laughs> fun, good fun. Um, so what's your favorite species to target then, out of the three uh, main catfish? My that favorite species to target is flatheads, but I'm a lot better of a blue angler. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy targeting the flatheads, but I also enjoy the action of the blue cats. You're not going to go out and catch 30 flatheads in a night, you right. know, on an average night. Do you change your tactics up pretty drastically by oh, switching yeah. between so, the two? So with flatheads, if I'm targeting them, I'm doing a lot of suspend fishing over brush and log jams, rock tiles, you know, places where they'll get in and, and hide to ambush bait. With blues, I'm normally dragging or drifting. Okay. Uh, what? Channel cats can't be overlooked either, though. We went up to Sandbox oh, no. and and I was literally tired of reeling in fish by the time we got off the water on the first day. Yeah, I love channel catfishing, honestly. It's one of my favorites. It's hard to be. That's just because that's what I started with, though. So, you know, kind of hard to get away from your roots. If if a channel cat got as big as a blue cat, I don't think my gear would haul them in. Yeah. I mean, pound for pound, they just fight so hard. I, I love channel catfishing. We get some pretty good channel cats over here in Nebraska. So Yeah, um, Justin Sherman, I think, is his name. He fishes out that way and catches some monster channels. He competes on a national level with channel cats. Yeah. I know we got uh, Justin Weirick. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Okay, I was going to say, Justin Weirick's a good buddy of mine. We fish together quite a bit, and I try to I try to keep up with him and put the smack down on him when I can, but most of the time he's got me. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I think both of those guys are actually out that way. Uh, Schrowerman, I don't, I'm not sure if Justin Schrowerman, if that's who you were talking about. I yeah. Think, I'm not sure if he's here in Nebraska. I don't, I think he's in another state, if I'm not mistaken. But if he, he might be out here. I know, uh, River Certified, he, he's started fishing in Nebraska, but now I think he fishes a lot over in like Iowa and Kansas City and stuff. Yeah. I've been trying to link up with him for like two years to get a trip together. And yeah. Every time we plan it, something comes up on my end or something comes up on his end and, and we end up having to reschedule and which he's got the guide service and stuff now and he's in Florida I think about three or four months out of the year. So Yeah, and I think he spends a lot of time on the boat now. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. But he he started out in the kayak on the rivers. That's how his YouTube page started out. So Yeah, and and I mean he's still 
he'll tell you he'd rather do it from the kayak. Yeah, well, there's nothing better, so. <laughs> and and I actually am kind of moving into the boat world a little bit this year. I, st- I did last year for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's just not my thing. You know what I mean? I enjoy it. It's great, but there's nothing like hauling in a 50, 60, 70-pound fish in a plastic kayak that weighs less than the fish you're pulling in. Right. Uh, what's your favorite bait to use, if you don't mind sharing? So I am probably the most hardcore bait snob on the planet. My bait has to be from that body of water, and it has to be fresh within the last day or so. I'll go out and spend six, seven hours chasing bait, not get it, and go home because I couldn't get fresh bait to fish with instead of using frozen bait. Um, lakes, I like uh, bluegill, shad, certain times of the year. Carp makes great bait uh, in the spring and summer. Um, I enjoy using uh, crappie where it's legal. I'll put it that way. Mm. Yeah, some, some states got to worry about that. Yeah, Kentucky is weird. Um, any game fish is not legal bait here. Any state around me, I can use it. But and, What's uh, your guys' transportation laws? Are you guys allowed to transport them alive? Yes and no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, same, same, pretty, sounds like it's pretty close to Nebraska laws then. Yeah. It's uh, so you can use bluegill and stuff as live bait, but you're supposed to get them out of that body of water. Yep, exactly. Yep, I do. I mean, most of us will go to a pond and catch our bluegill and then go and use them at the lake. Yeah, well, in a lot of states I know it's legal, you're allowed to do that and take them to the river. Whereas, you know, in here in Nebraska, it's one of the big, bigger issues is that you're not allowed to catch bait from the lake and take it to the river to fish with, where yes. every other bordering state, you're allowed to do that. So it's it's kind of one of those things. We got some guys that, that even consider, you know, potentially not fishing here in our state and going over to another state to fish for the year. So, um, What was it River Certified mentioned in a couple of his videos that you can't take the lake water home? Nope. No, no, absolutely not you allowed to, to bring take... your own water and catch your bait. I yep. can't remember how it went. He had to bring his water from home yep. to put his live bluegill in. And then you can only use those live bluegill on that body of water. Yeah. But, but say, say you wanted to fish on uh Thursday night and it's Wednesday night and you want to go catch your bait for Thursday. If you go to that lake, once you leave that lake, you're supposed to kill your bait, even though you're planning on coming back to the lake to fish that lake. Once you leave the lake, you're not allowed to transport the bluegill alive. Yeah. It's so and I actually found out today my buddy Lucky Ronnie called me earlier and was telling me that that the game warden had checked him and told him he was supposed to have a fire extinguisher on his kayak and i've never heard of that mm, i don't so, I, I guess i would have to uh, look into that and i'm again i think that's going to be a state-by-state kind of deal here in nebraska you're required to have your, your i wish they would change the rule that you're required to wear the pfd but you're required to have the pfd you're required to have a a bailing device so like a sponge or like a, a bilge pump of some sort like even yep. like a manual one and then you're required to have a noise making device so you have to have a whistle or like a air horn something along those lines yeah 
those are the three things here in Nebraska that you're required to have in all vessels, whether you're in a kayak or a boat. Yeah. And a and lot of here, people don't know that. Here you have to register your kayak if you have a motor on it, but you don't have to if you don't have a motor. Same but here. And Nebraska is actually working towards full registration right now. If I go to Ohio, Ohio requires it on all their vessels, period. Like you have to register a kayak if you're just paddling it. Yep, but if I'm from Kentucky and I go there and I'm just paddling, I don't have to be registered. That's what I was gonna that was gonna be a question of mine is so when you're traveling to these out of state, is it different from each state on the series? Like if you most states the all the ones that I'm aware of go back to your home water laws for your vessel. Okay. So, so say I'm in Tennessee, mm-hmm. all my vessel laws refer back to Kentucky and what I have to abide by here. Okay. So like just because Tennessee requires all vessels, say you were just paddling and you weren't going to use your motor and you didn't have your tags in Tennessee, if they required tags, they aren't going to bust you for it because you, back in Kentucky, you're not required. Exactly. So, okay. That's good to know. That's a good question to cover for a lot of listeners that might even be considering, you know, going in, uh, going on the trail in the future. So, it and it, and our trail seems to be growing exponentially. I think we I, had, I think uh, it's going to blow up, man. I really. I do. think we had twelve anglers show up for the first one, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure with the second one, I've I've already heard of about fifteen. I'm looking for twenty to twenty five to show up for that. I think you guys are going to have the participation, especially after this first year happens, because there's going to be a lot of guys, including me, that are looking at it right now. You know, some of us don't have the ability to just on a whim decide that I'm going to go compete in this tournament. I'm going to have to save up and plan for this to uh, compete in the trail. If I do ever have a chance to compete in the national trail, because yeah, the closest turn in, tournament to me is like a 14 hour drive. And I'm, I'm extremely lucky on that side of it. I've been fortunate enough to pick up some sponsors that actually pay me some money mm-hmm. and they, they cover some of my expenses and some of my entry fees and uh, my job actually lets me use my company truck to travel with, which is a big help. Oh, yeah. Um, it gets – I got a little Nissan Frontier for my work truck, and it, it gets about 21, 22 miles to the gallon pulling the kayak. My personal truck is a half-ton Chevy that gets about 18 miles to the gallon on a good day. <laughs> so that saves me a big chunk of money. Yeah. Well, that's the way sponsorship should be. Honestly, man, it shouldn't it shouldn't be one sided. Every you know, the angler and the the sponsorship should benefit from from the relationship. Exactly, and I think I think sponsorships have gotten away from that a lot uh, a lot these days. And well, with with us, we're such a small niche in the in the catfish world. We've really not grown enough yet for. For them to say, here's a couple of hundred bucks to pay for your room, or here's a couple of hundred bucks for your entry fee, or, or what have you, you know, I, there's there's really no way I'm going to sell enough gear to make up for that. You know what I mean? Like like monster rod holders, there's no way I'm going to sell enough monster rod holders to kayak guys at this moment to make up for what they've done for me. But in the long run. As the sport grows, more people are going to say, well, Ryan's winning tournaments. I want to use what he's using. I was going to say, you know, you just keep winning them tournaments and you don't got to worry about it. And 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 the tournament world I'm learning is not the biggest part of our community. Most people are, are kayak catfishing or fun fishing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's, I mean, there's guys that I look at, I even see the comments, I get comments like it all the time that I've been doing this for 25 years, you don't even know, blah, 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 and I said, that's not, I, it was never intended to come out to be, you know, that we're doing something special here that nobody's ever thought of, that's not yeah. at all uh, the deal, we're just trying to, you know, grow the, grow the sport in the community as a whole, and uh, shine a little light on the industry, um, and what we bring to the table, because yeah, I think... And- and end goal, I mean, would be me making a living chasing catfish from a kayak. You know, there's one person I know of in the world that does that right now, and that's Justin Johnson. Mm-hmm. And he's got a – it's kind of a niche thing that he's got. So yes. it's not yes. like uh, we could all just decide to go do what Justin Johnson does for a living. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and he earned it. You know what I mean? He put in yeah. the time, and, and he built himself up. He built – he's a self-made man in the industry. Yeah. Well, there's, I, 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 I think great pride in beating him in tournaments, you know, <laughs> right. and I never let him live it down. But, but as far as what we do, he is the, the man and the staple of what we do. Right. Well, I think he's, you know, helped shine that first light in the in this direction and get it moving the way it is now. And um, I mean, because before, you know, <laughs> catfishing isn't isn't glamorized you know it's not a pretty thing we're dirty we're stinky um a lot of times you gotta get it's pretty tough places to get to to get the good fish you know the time that you gotta put in to get them you know um, some of the stuff that you gotta put up with the heat the mosquitoes the um mayflies etc yeah and as far as our our setups there's nobody that makes things especially for us very often you know what i mean most of the stuff i use is modified boat stuff that I've bolted to a kayak somehow. Right. I've made brackets to make it work. And as we grow in the sport, there'll be more companies that make what we need, you know? Yeah. I think that's kind of part of the fun, though, man. I love the, the rigging and the building side of the kayak world. I ain't going to say I love it. I'm, I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> don't I'm be really good at anything good at you don't want to do, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good at it, but... It, it's more like uh, I have to do that part to get to do the part that I want to do. You know, yeah. so I, I spend all this time building my kayaks and, and working on them. And then my reward for that is the get to go out and catch fish on them. Right. Which to most people is, like you said, a lot of work in itself. But Yeah. Well, and if you don't have the the handy capabilities that some people, you know, don't have, then, then you're kind of at a loss if the companies don't provide the equipment that already pre-built, you know, if you yeah. can't figure out how to fabricate things on your own. So there, there will be some room for that in the future for industries to grow. I think, I think we just got to keep doing what we're doing to, to bring the um, attention to the sport. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm always willing to help people out as well. I've got two different people right now that are, going to bring kayaks here to my shop for me to help them set them up, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not charging them to do that. I'm just doing that just to get them on the water and, and see them get to enjoy what I do. Yeah. Kind of speaks, speaks back to what we were talking about earlier about the community and the way that we all kind of support each other. It's a little different than, than some of the other um, sporting industries. Yeah. I mean, that that's comes right back down to, one of the things that slows people down a lot with us is bait. You know, they don't have time to get out and catch bait or they don't, they don't get to like say Tennessee, we were down there. They don't get there in time to catch bait. They get there in time to go to bed, get up and fish the tournament. So 
a lot of times I'll get out and catch bait for everybody in the tournament the day before, before everybody gets there or like the Tennessee trip. I just had one of my friends that sells bait show up and sell everybody bait at our meet and greet the night before. You don't see that in any other sport. You know I mean? Right. It, it would have been a lot easier for me to sit back and say, oh, well, you guys find your own bait, you know, and if mm-hmm. they don't find bait, oh, well, tough. That just means I beat them. Yeah. But, but I don't want to win that way. You know what I mean? I want to see them at their best and I want to see me at my best. That's, that's why we're there. Everybody on the same level. Yep. <clears throat> so do you do any other, uh, do you chase any other species out of the kayak besides the catfish? I do crappie in the spring when they're easy and it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'll, I'll usually end up going out and doing a, a crappie trip and throwing those on a stringer and then doing a catfish trip after I get done doing that. But, mm-hmm. but I just, good fun. I do, uh, I did a bass tournament last year. You know, we, I doubled up and did a bass tournament and a kayak tournament or a catfish tournament in the same day. Uh, I took big fish in the bass tournament and then turned around and took big fish in first place in the, in the catfish tournament. It's a pretty good day right there. Yeah, it was a pretty good day. I mean, <laughs> I, I still enjoy getting out and do, and chasing other fish, just not on a tournament level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how long would you say you've been tournament fishing out of the kayak? Uh, the, since I started catfishing out of a kayak four years ago. And my first trip targeting catfish out of a kayak was one of our free tournaments. And, and I ended up winning it, and I just kind of just never stopped running with it, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, it's kind of like after you get that first good fish in the kayak there's really no going back well that's so. that's what i did i won that tournament with four little small channel cats and it just so happened that everybody else had a really bad day it wasn't that i did really good it was everybody else did really bad <laughs> <laughs> but the the guy that got me into it and originally had the idea for the tournaments and stuff was shane waldridge and uh he told me, he said, let me take you out next weekend, put you on a real fish now. Well, we went out the next weekend. He got me on like a 25, 30 pound blue. And I was just, I was hooked after that. Just life changing. Yeah. I mean, never, never looked back. Just chase catfish every day. I got the chance. Mm-hmm. It's like a drug. It's bad. But I actually took the year off this year of uh, the online tournaments that we do. This past season or this season that we're this, running right now? This season that we're running right now. The only okay. the only tournaments I'm actually doing is the in-person ones and a few boat tournaments that I'm going to go do just trying to get my name out there in that world as well. Yeah. No, I understand that. I'm uh, we're, I'm taking a step back from the tournament a little bit myself this year. I, I usually run a small catfishing trail here in Nebraska. It's it's a local base, just all only Nebraska kayak anglers and um, – just decided to take a year, take a step back and um, do a little bit more fun fishing and get a few things, a few ducks in a row before I continue doing that. But I wanted to focus all my energy on the, uh, the tournament trail, the in-person tournament trail. Mm-hmm. And with traveling, it's really hard to compete in online tournaments while you're traveling like that. Yeah. You're well, what, would you be all- allowed, would you be allowed to double submit with those fish in the national oh, yeah. trail? Okay. Yeah. Um, like last year, I was using the same fish in three and four tournaments at a time. Mm-hmm. 
how many trips a year do you think you take? Oh man, I'd hate to know. It's uh <laughs> this year not as much because I'm not in the online stuff, so I don't I'm not forced to be out there as much. Mm-hmm. Last year I probably averaged fifty hours a week on the water, four trips a week. I was averaging fifty hours. That's what I tell everybody. My gear gets more of a beating in a year than most people. <clears throat> so your trips, your trips are probably at least ten hours. Then if they're oh, four, you got four hour, trips. Ten hour trip is a short trip for me. Okay, because you said four trips and roughly fifty, sixty hours on the water. Yeah, so. it's a, a an average trip for me is twelve to fourteen hours. Yeah. So I know that you're be like you said. There's going to be a lot of travel in this season with that national trail. Um, and you grew up fishing a lot. So I'm, I'm assuming that you probably still stay local and do a lot of local fishing during the week then. Um, not this year, actually. Um, so last year I told myself, I'm going to force myself to fish different waters. Mm-hmm. This little lake here at my house, it's, it's known for having trophy blues in it, but it's also known for being one of the most fickle fisheries for catfish there is. I mean, guys like Steve Douglas and Chris Souders they all come down here and they say, this like, so you're going to make you look like a champ or an idiot. And it depends on what mood it's in that day. It just depends on the day. Yeah. And I, I got to the point where I wasn't learning anything anymore going here every trip. So I started doing stuff on the Ohio river and hitting different sections of it, going to Tennessee to different places, you know, just, just going to different lakes in the area and, and forcing myself to learn new bodies of water. And you think that helped you kind of improve as an angler? And, and oh man, it leaps and bounds of differences in what I learned last year versus the year before. Yeah, and and that's something that I try to do all the time. If you go if you go to the water and don't learn something, even if you caught your your PB, it was not a successful trip. What uh, what are your PBs out of the kayak? So I say eighty on a blue, but there was no way to measure it. Yeah, I know. I know what that means. You got any uh, numbers or anything for length and girth? I don't have the girth. It was forty-eight inches long on a blue. Okay, but I mean, it was super fat. And then my my flathead was fifty pounds, which was last year's goals. Was I set my goals for last year at eighty pound blue and a fifty pound flathead, and I got both of them. My other goal was to win the the online catfishing tournament trail. Uh king cat award and i actually did that as well so well god it sounds like you nailed all your goals for the season last year yeah and then i set one for this year or two for this year i want to win the uh the in-person trail and i want to win the uh and i want to get a hundred pound blue out of the kayak that's my two goals for the year yeah that would be sweet man yeah Hundred pounds. I don't think there's been too many caught hundred pounds. I know we had a guy here in Nebraska catch one that was like just under a hundred or right at a hundred last year here out of the Missouri, out of a kayak. What was that one that that Michaela girl caught last year up uh, your way? That's actually Justin's girlfriend. Yeah, um, she caught a couple one, really big ones, and then she had one right at the end of the season in August uh, out of out of her kayak in the river, right out their backyard. <laughs> Cause they live right on the Elkhorn um, and I can't remember what the weight was, but it was like 53 inches. I yeah. Think. 53 or 54. Cause it beat my 52 and a half. 
<laughs> and she rubbed it in all. She, she still talks about it. Man. Yeah, I don't blame her. I would too. Oh yeah, she ain't gonna let me live that one down. Knock my big fish out real, real big. Justin had a bigger fish than me by half inch on that one too. But I took big fish for the channel last year. Yeah, I had a thirty-five inch, about thirty-pound channel. Yeah, that's insane for channels. It was a big boy. He was a tank. <clears throat> but, um. We were just talking about the, you know, the difference between the traveling and, and the local fishing and stuff. So um, how does preparing for like fishing at your local water, do you prepare any differently than when you go to fish your local waters than when you go out of town or any and travel for any sort of distance for your fishing? So my gear stays <laughs> ready to go 24-7, 365. My rods are in the back of my truck. My kayak is sitting there on the trailer charged and ready to go all the time. The only thing that I do differently for a, a long trip is I'll grease my trailer bearings before I go, you know, a lot of times. Um, I'll study a lot of Navionics for an for a out-of-town trip. I've probably got, for the Nickajack tournament that we just did, I probably spent 20 to 30 hours scanning through Navionics on my phone sitting here on the couch, picking out where I wanted to fish at. Do you... Well, do- how does that uh, – I was a quick question for you there. How does – when you do your, like, e-scouting for, you know, on your Navionics and stuff, and then you get there, say, you know, say you show up for the – you're pre-fishing for the tournament, you show up and see the body of water, and it's just a little bit different than what you saw on the Navionics. Like, how do, how do you adjust for that, or how do you, like, kind of plan or, you know, what's, what's the tactic behind that, the thought process? So if I – say if I've looked at a spot and I found a good channel edge on Navionics – and then I get there and it's not what it showed. I will ride around and scan until I find what I'm looking for. So I, I may spend three hours running up and down the river, you know, side to side looking for what I'm wanting to fish before I ever start putting baits down. So you, I just, uh, as far as like your bleed, you probably believe more in, in finding that right spot in the bait placement than r- rather than, having bait in the water is going to get you a fish for longer. Like having bait in the water for longer is going to get you a fish. It's more about finding the spot. My, my favorite way to fish is to drag a channel ledge. So I'll put six boards out. The two closest to the kayak will be dead on the ledge on the bottom side of that ledge, just as close as I can keep them in there. And then the next boards out from that, I'll have two up on top of that and two down way out in the middle of the channel. And what what it is is fish will move up into the shallows to feed and then move back down, and they use those ledges as pretty much highways. That's how they get up and down the river is they'll they'll tuck in there next to that channel ledge, and they'll go up or down the river or lake or what have you, you know, and that's that's their highway. So Mm -hmm. I want those two baits right in that, and then – if there's fish up here feeding on the shallows, I've got baits up there for those. If there's fish out here in the middle of the channel in no man's land that I call it, which that's oftentimes you'll catch a good fish out there in the middle of no man's land. And I don't know why they're out there. They're just out there. But no a theories. lot of times you'll, you'll snag your big fish will come from out there. Just probably moving in between areas you think, or no theories. I cannot figure it out. I mean, they're not supposed to be there. <laughs> but 
a lot of times that's where my big fish of the trip will come from. Well, got to keep a bait out there, then. That exactly, and I, and that's why I run so many planter boards, and I cover such a wide spread of water. <clears throat> but I I will look for that one or two mile stretch of river with that really nice defined channel edge on it, and then start fishing. And if I do good on a drag, say I, say I drag a mile, mile and a half up a channel edge, and I do uh-huh. good, I will run right back down and start and drag it right back over. Just start it over. Yep. Right on. So do you have a favorite place to fish, whether that's a body of water or a state? Probably what's called the Falls of the Ohio up in Louisville. That's probably my favorite place to fish. And then probably below Chickamauga Dam is one of my favorite spots. What's your favorite time of year to be on the water? Um, Actually, believe it or not, between June and August. Spawn time, huh? Exactly. And I've got a few places I know fish move into to spawn. And I catch them on their way in, and I catch them on their way out. It's typically everybody's least favorite time of year to and be out there. That's my big fish time of the year locally. But that's just because I've figured out those fish are moving into this area. They're going to go in there and spawn, and those mm-hmm. fish are moving back out. And usually I catch the blues on their way in, and then while the blues are up there, I'll catch some flatheads. And then when the flatheads get up there, the blues are moving back out. So I keep it for about two to three months. Nice, man. Nice. Got them patterned pretty good. Yeah, it's and and like I said, that just comes from time on the water fishing the same areas over and over and over again. I can't do that anywhere else. Yeah, just the amount of time that you put in on your local water then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So out of all your trips that you've done, you know, like, you know, with Mike and maybe some of the other buddies, I don't know, uh, like, even if it's a, a, a solo trip, do you have a favorite story that comes to mind? Oh, man. There's so many that just... Yeah, I know. I, I was going to say so, it might be a hard one. Just whatever one that might stick out or pop up first then. Probably Sandusky last year. Is that when you all got that house down there? No, we rented a, a KOA campground up at Sandusky Bay. And uh, we had probably eight or 10 of us just hanging out at the campground, you know, before the turn, the night before the tournament. And, and we just all had a, a big get together and we sat around all night and just told fishing stories. You know, that's one of the better memories that I've got of it. And, I, and that's why we do what we do. You know, it's not about the tournament itself or the fish. That's why we're there. But all it's, in all, it's truly about the hanging out talking smack to each other and telling fish stories yep that's why i always like this i always say that you know catching catching the fish is the bonus it's the it's the um uh experiences and the and the connections that you make with the people is why yeah we had to do this this past tournament's probably one of the top ones i've ever had but not because i won but because you know we had the meet and greet at catfish sumo and we all got to go down there and just swap stories for a couple hours and we ate together and it was just a big two, three hour hangout, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's about the people and the connections, man. The fish are just the bonus. Um, do you have a disaster or a scary story? Oh man. I flipped my kayak up at the falls of the Ohio, which is probably 
one of the most dangerous places I'll go in the kayak. It's uh, it's right below two dams that come together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got up there last year. I said that and, wasn't that long ago, if I remember right. And me and uh, Mark Bennett were supposed to meet there, and I got there about an hour in front of him. So I was I went out and went over to the other side of the dam and went to chase uh, moon eye. I wanted to catch some moon eye. I'd never caught those. Mm-hmm. and i got over there and got in some slack water and my kayak started feeling all wobbly so i just like i gotta get back to shore you know i knew it was getting water in it i just didn't know how much and how fast and uh, i made a run back toward the bank and realized i wasn't going to get to the truck because i was going up current and then i just kind of turned and angled toward the same bank the truck was on and let the current push me and i, I got my trolling motor up right against the rocks and when i grabbed my paddle to push myself around i flipped and uh, just so happened that where i hit the bank at was a 25 foot hole of water oh man (laughs) and i mean i was literally i was literally six feet from the bank when i went in the water and it was 25 foot deep luckily you know i I always wear my pfd when i'm on the water and uh, i i got to shore and i pulled my kayak up on the bank and I got a hold of Mark and he just happened to be pulling in a parking lot and uh, he jumped on his kayak real quick and ran down there to me and helped me get mine drugged the rest of the way up on the bank and get it dragged dragged up and drained out and uh, we got all that done and gathered up my bait coolers that were floating around there and and all that and we got went back up to the truck and you know I, I got all my stuff situated what I had left the best I could and uh, he said, well, what are you going to do? I was like, man, I'm going home. I ain't got a rod left. He said, well, I got four rods. He said, uh, "He said you can take two of them and I'll take two of them and we'll just go ahead and fish the rest of the night. And I was like, bet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we went up there and we just laid the flatheads down that night. He got a 51-pound uh, flathead. We actually put it on scales and weighed it. It was 51 pounds. And uh, at that night, I broke my PB flathead at well, like 39 inches and – and, I mean, I think we had, like, 30-some flatheads between the two of us over the course of the night. I don't know how many blues. When I got home that next morning, I didn't think I was going to be fishing anymore because I thought my wife was going to kill me. She thought I should have come home after I did all that. Oh, man. My kayak. Did you tell her before uh, before you yeah, kept fishing? Yeah, I, I called her. I called her while I was on the bank before Mark got to me. I'm like, hey, look, I flipped my kayak. I'm fine. I got to try to figure out how to get it back to the truck. You know, and then I got back up there and we decided to fish and I called her and I knew she was mad then, (laughs) but like I told her, I'm like, look, I done donated $2,500 to this river tonight or more. I am, I am definitely fishing. I'm not letting the river win. If I let the river win, I'll get that fear and I'll never come back. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she kind of understood, but she wasn't happy about it. (laughs) Hey. But that that trip is probably one of my most memorable trips ever. What did you learn from the experience? Make sure you put the plugs in your kayak. <laughs> <laughs> See, a, a Hobie's different. Other kayak, most other kayak brands have the plugs up on the top, you mm-hmm. know, where you can stand them up and drain them out. Well, Hobie yeah. so doesn't heavy. have that. They're in the very bottom of the hull, just like mm-hmm. a boat. Mm-hmm. And there's one in each side. Oh, I didn't know they had two plugs. Yeah, there's one in each side of your rudder right in the back uh, on the bottom side of the hull. And uh, what I did was I came home that week and it rained on me a lot. And I had water in the, in the hull of my kayak. So when I got to the garage, I've got a drain in my floor 
I just pulled the plugs loose and left them hanging there. And didn't even think about it. And stood it up and just let it drain out. Well, I went out there and did something to my kayak the next day and let the front end back down and then hooked to it and left and uh, didn't think another thing about those plugs. But now that's one of the first things I do when I get to the ramp is I check the plugs wherever they're at. Well, in the big rig, you don't got to worry, or in the Jackson, you don't got to worry about that or the new canoe, really. Yeah, they're up on the top. Yeah. Yep. And I've actually had my plug out for a whole trip and didn't even realize it and didn't get water inside my hole. So That was actually the second time I'd left the plugs out like that. I did it once up in Ohio at a uh, in-person tournament. Dang. And Is uh, there a bulkhead inside the Hobies? No, it's an open hole. Mm. So you yeah. could it could have been even worse, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it was so heavy I couldn't drag it up on the bank that night. Man, well, I'm glad you're okay and that uh, everything turned out. You turned a bad night into a good night. It sounds like breaking a PV. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely a good trip after that. Yeah. I tell everybody, you know, you gotta you gotta pay your river dues. Mm-hmm. That's Take that's kind of a uh, like a, a rite of passage for a lot of us. You know, that's that's kind of how a lot of us look at it. Until you flipped your kayak and uh, dumped some gear and lost a bunch of money. You, you haven't really joined the club yet. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I'm lucky enough to say that I haven't joined the club then. I, not to say I haven't been in some situations, but I'm, I've been uh, lucky enough to make it out of it without losing anything or flipping my kayak yet. So That's what I tell everybody. I'm like, I'm, I'm one of the few people I know that flipped a Hobie PA-14. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't actually know of anybody that ha- has. So <laughs> there you go. Maybe maybe call them up. They'll give you an award. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, so fishing for the catfish, a lot of you know, a lot of anglers like to fish for them at night. Do you fish overnights? I mean, I've stayed up to twenty. I think it was twenty eight hours in my kayak at one time. Right on, man. I love it. Um, That's why I say I love them long trips personally. Um, long summer nights is my favorite times out there. You know, you don't have any boat traffic. It's warm. The wind usually ain't blowing a hundred mile an hour. Yeah, yeah. That that seventy degree night with no wind. I mean, you can't beat it. Do you still prepare for your night trips the same way as if you were going out for a day trip? I mean, I grab a headlamp, and that's about the only difference. Yeah. Do you have built in lights? A, no, I have a uh, Compex light, which is on an eight foot pole. Okay. And I've on my Hobie, I had a bracket made to go on it, and it just puts that you just extend that pole up eight feet and it's on a remote control and you can turn it on and off and dim it and brighten it and all that i think they're it's like a hundred bucks on amazon they're worth every penny yeah it's like being there it's like being out there in the daylight once you turn that on i hear that i built the uh i don't know if you watch fishing and stuff you watch him at all yeah 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 Keith. so i yeah i built his nav light and modified it and put a, a switch on it for a light strip up the vertical side so yeah. i can light it up like like the freaking daylight out there we, we see the banks when i turn on my light <laughs> but, but but here if you've got a great big lot of lights you end up with so many bugs and mosquitoes that well that's why i put the switch on it because i can't deal with that many bugs on yeah. a regular so usually I'm i just normally, got the 360 running but if something happens i got that switch to flip on the big light i'm normally sitting there in complete darkness until i hear a boat or catch a fish yeah, you don't run any sort of uh, colored lights or anything to attract no. bait fish or nothing like that. No, um, usually I'm 
moving fishing you know i'm dragging or drifting okay yeah so not anchored up a whole lot to keep attracting them in like that i'm i'm notorious for not liking anchor fishing and you know with flatheads and stuff you kind of have to or the situations we were in this weekend at the tournament anchor fishing is by far the superior way to catch fish some guys just can't just don't have the attention span though i i do understand I, that i do not man I, I don't feel like i'm being productive i'm sitting there waiting on a fish to come to me that i don't know what he's doing or where he's been or where he's going yeah at least i know if i'm dragging or drifting i'm going to run across a fish sooner or later yeah um do you got any safety tips for when going out at, at always night? Always wear a PFD and share your location with somebody. Okay. Um, I've got my wife and a couple of my buddies that I I keep a location share plan on. You know, mm-hmm. they can see where I'm at all the time. I tell everybody, hey, I'm going to this ramp. Yeah. I don't know when I'll be home most of the time. That's that's a given. You got any local fishing buddies? Oh, yeah. Um, we have, it's always uh, nice to have those guys because they kind of know your spot. So that if something happens, they can come find you. Actually, they're all on the water right now. <laughs> hmm. um, do you, so do you, you probably, it sounds like you do a lot of solo trips throughout the year. Mostly all my trips are solo. I, I mean, I've, I've got Ronnie, he'll go with me some. Um, a few of the other local guys here, they'll go out with me every once in a while, but most of the time nobody wants to go and stay 20 hours at a time. Hmm. Or they don't want to go out and fish all night and then have to go to work at six the next morning. Well, you only live once, man. Sleep when you're dead, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. My longest trip with Justin, we did a 32-hour trip head-to-head on the river, and that, that was a battle because we were inch by inch. Every time I caught a fish, he'd go up, or every time he caught a fish, he'd go up. And I ran out of self-reception, so it got towards the end where I couldn't even submit my last, like, three or four fish up until I got home right before the tournament ended. And it had me down by like an inch or something like that. But we were, I was so dead after like 32 hours. All I had to do was go out and catch like a 20 inch dink and I couldn't do it. But what do you do? That's it, man. You can't win them all. Uh, it's just fishing. That's the way it goes. <clears throat> so if somebody were to ask you why you choose to chase catfish from a plastic boat, what would be your response? I mean, that, that fight and that adrenaline rush can't be matched. No other, yeah, and it, it forces you to be a better angler. Also, that's part of what I like about it. So if I put my kayak in at the boat ramp, I'm pretty well stuck to a couple of miles if I'm on a lake. You know, four or five mile span that I can go either direction. I have to find fish and make them eat where I'm at. I don't have the option to well, let's go try a back creek. You know, yeah. Let's run 25 miles up river and see if we can find something different and get on some fish that'll eat. I have to wait those fish out and make those fish eat. Man, I don't even know if you put a, if you even put a 2.3 Honda on, on the back, if you could get that far up river. With my trolling motor, I think what I did the other day, which is about as far as I'll go in that amount of current, we had about three to three and a half mile an hour current. Some places it was probably four. And I made a two and a half mile run upriver. Two and a half. Yeah, and it it took a pretty good while, but it was worth it. You know, yeah. it paid off when we got up there. Well, you see, Honda makes like for the a lot of the new canoe guys run the Honda on the back. 
I've always kind of wondered how far they can get on those, especially so, against any sort of current. I know a couple of guys that have had them, and one guy was running like five and six miles with it, but he was carrying an extra gas can. I was going to say, too, then you got to have room on the kayak for, for gas, you know, and then five gallons of gas is a good amount of weight, too. Cause well, it, they, got a, uh, they got a one-gallon tank on them, and he was carrying a two-gallon can with him. Mm. Still two gallons. If it's anything like water, water is 8.33 pounds per yeah. gallon. So that's 16 pounds of, of gas just in a yeah. can right there, you know. But hey, with me, we're kayaking. With me going to lithium batteries now, that leaves me enough room, you know, to have that extra 20 pounds of gas. True that. So. True. I'm still a Stone Age, man. I don't have any electronics yet. So I'm kind of working my way that that route throughout i think i'm gonna hopefully be there by the end of this season but we'll see the the xi3 is a game changer yeah i again i don't know if the missus will let me get that (laughs) (laughs) it's it's definitely a game changer i might be able to talk her into it because we're going to be doing a lot of tandem kayaking this year and uh i don't i don't want to paddle both of us all year round. (laughs) yeah but no we'll see but um you have any plans for this upcoming season? Any big things that you can share? I man, just catch fish and put them on YouTube and try to win a few tournaments. What's your? Uh, what would you think is your best piece of gear you got rigged up on the kayak? Oh man, um, I've not tried it yet, but this uh, linking my trolling motor to my graphs and stuff, I think that's going to be. My electronics is going to be my biggest thing that I have right now. Pretty um, excited about that setup. My my rod and reels are pretty standard. I use the Muddy River Catfish and Blue Cat rods and uh, Abu reels. They have always my hookup ratio is excessively high with what I use, and I have no reason to change it. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said you I, run SmackDown for the holders. The monsters. Monsters. Okay, monster yep. rod holders. Got it. Got it. And then, you know, what? Uh, what's your main line? Do you run braid or mono? So I run a couple of reels that I have. I run the 6,500 uh, abos with braid on them. Mm. And I run that on my inside planter boards. And then on my other rods, I have the uh, 7,000 series abos. And I run a 50-pound braid or mono on those. They stay clipped. That mono stays clipped in the planter board clips better. That's so good that's, to know. That's why I like to use it. And you you only run 50 pounds for your main line? Yeah, and then I run an 85-pound uh, suffix leader. Okay. Interesting. Are you a, J- a J-hook or a circle hook guy? Circle hooks, always. All day, baby. <laughs> um, any You got any advice for the newcomers to the sport? I just keep fishing, man. Put some time in on the water, and you'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, you got a favorite snack you like to take fishing with you? Buddy, I, I live on Monsters and Marlboros when I'm on the water. <laughs> That's funny. I, I literally will go out there and stay 20 hours and won't take anything with me other than Monsters and Pepsi. No food, huh? Nope. Man. You a monster. <laughs> uh, I get in that zone, man, and... I feel it, man. I'm in the, I'm in the same way. A lot of the guys that I, you know, other than Justin, me and Justin can kind of, you know, we're pretty close. He, he, 
he fishes hard, man. Like I, I learned a lot from Justin. He kind of takes me under and shows me a lot of stuff. But otherwise, the rest of our fishing buddies, you know, him and Josh, Justin and Josh, both were, you know, took me under their wing when I first started out doing this kind of stuff and showing me the ropes and everything like that. But other than that, the guys around here, you know, they're they're in for a couple hours, but going, you know, 20, 30 hours full entire weekends on the trips, especially when it's, you know, 100 degrees out, they don't really like to, to do that too much. So I get where you're coming from. There's a lot. It's hard to find guys that want to hang that long. especially through all the elements. Yeah. Um, you got a bucket list fishing trip out of the kayak? I, I'd like to get back to the James, and I'm looking forward to Carter this year. Still still just targeting some big catfish, that 100-pounder? Yeah. That's it. Okay. Okay. Because I know I was talking to – on the last one I talked to Mike, he said he wants to try to make it up to the Snake River and catch some sturgeon. I've been wanting to get up um, on the Mississippi for a while. Heck yeah. Finding somebody to go do that with me on the kayaks is a little different story, but <laughs> so you got it's there's not too many that that are uh, brave enough for those waters. Yeah. I, even in a boat, that's kinda that's a, a trip. <laughs> yeah, it'll have it'll have to be like a float trip kind of thing where you yeah. it and take out way down river somewhere, but yeah. Um got any final thoughts? Not we, really, man. Before we close needs, it up, if anybody needs any help with anything, they're free to hit me up on Facebook Messenger or uh, my YouTube channel or TikTok or any of that. Awesome, man. Well, I just again, I just want to say thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on and record this episode with me today. No problem, buddy. I was ready for a break from the shop anyway. Heck yeah. Well, I'll to the trail everything going on what's the next one coming up uh we'll be at chickamauga lake i think it's april the 20 something all righty all righty so you think there's probably about 12 to 15 signed up for that one uh probably there'll be at least 15 right on man well i'm sure we'll all be watching the leaderboards wishing everybody luck hope you get on that big hundred pounder soon man all right buddy i appreciate you having me All right, I'll talk to you later.